Welcome to the West Side Podcast, where you can find real help for real life. We hope you'll take a second right now and subscribe to this podcast and let us know how we can help. You can find out more at westsidecommunitychurch.com. Now join us for this week's installment of the West Side Podcast. Man, I kind of feel like we're on The Price is Right when I hear that music uh, that leads up to the message, but welcome to Finding Freedom Part 4. My name's Gabe. I'm so glad that you're here, and I, I, I hope that, one, it's obvious that you guys were as sick of being stuck at home as I was, right? You were ready to get out. When we heard that we could have in-person services today, we were like, yes. Uh, so we're thankful. Thanks for coming. Uh, it, we've been in this series Finding freedom, and today we're we're really going to be talking about getting rid of guilt, and uh, what an important topic that we all need. And uh, you know, I think one of the things that's coming clear in this teaching series, Finding Freedom, is that there is a path to freedom. And so many times in life, we feel like there's not. We feel like when you're stuck, you're stuck, and when you know when when you when you need help, you just you just kind of got to stay there. But there is a path to freedom, real real freedom. So welcome to the journey of finding your freedom. Thomas Huxley said this: said a man's worst difficulties begin when he's able to do as he likes. Think about that for a second. A man's worst difficulties begin when he when he's able to do as he likes. Can you relate to that? You know, you find yourself looking back going, it was the times when I just sort of was working on my own, off my own will, you know, and uh, that I got myself in trouble. And uh, so I want to give you a quick recap of what we've been going through these last three weeks. Uh, really, if you look at the, the first three weeks of this series, it really, uh, just to sum it up in a very, very simple way, it goes like this. I can't, God can, let him. Think about that. I can't, God can, let him. And if you're jumping in right now online or right here in person, if you're jumping into this series right here, this is what we've been talking about. There's things in my life I can't control. God can, so I need to let him. In fact, I wanna ask you if you'd do me a favor, repeat those three phrases after me. You ready? I can't, God can, let him. Nice, all right. So I want to walk you through a little bit more uh, specifically what the choices have been that we've been dealing with. And then we're going to introduce today's choice, uh, which I think you're going to very much be encouraged by. So the first choice is this. I can't. Choice one, the reality choice. And it is this. Realize that I am not God. Admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and my life is unmanageable. It takes a little bit of humility to do that, doesn't it? It takes a little bit of self-awareness. It takes a a, a time when God has gripped you and you can say those things. I I am not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and my life is unmanageable. That was choice one. And I got to hand it to you. Our church has been grasping onto this. We've seen lots of people engaging in this journey and uh, lots of stories of people enjoying what God is doing in their life. Second choice is this, God can, and that's choice two, the hope choice. 
So the reality choice is like, this is how it is. The hope choice is, but there's hope. I earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me change. So to believe that, to really believe that, to get that hope down inside, no matter where you are today, no matter what you've been going through, struggling with, that you've done, we know from scripture there is hope. The last one is this, of last week. Let him, choice three, the commitment choice. And so I consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. Just going, look, I'm gonna put it all in God's hands. And as scary as that can be, we've just watched person after person do it. It's very exciting. And if, if you've ever experienced that, you know the relief that comes when you realize you're not on your own, that, there, that, the, that the God of the universe is watching over. The God of the universe is holding you. The God of the universe is shaping you. And we'll talk more about that today. But I wanna introduce choice four, which is in your notes. And uh, I wanna give you what this one is. Choice four is this, the house cleaning choice. It's the house cleaning choice. How many of you guys love cleaning your house? Yeah, there's a few weirdos in here. I mean, just honestly, <laughs> right? Um, the, it's hard to get to the point where you're willing to lift all that stuff up off the dresser, you know, and get the pledge out. And, the, and I've always tried to tell my wife, we have a blower, you know, like, I don't know what the problem, why this takes so long. You just hold the stuff down, I'll turn the blower on and the dust will be gone. Um, But she doesn't do it that way. So the house cleaning choice can be difficult because we want to procrastinate, we want to put it off. It goes like this. I openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Now looking at the staircase we've been talking about, I want to show you the steps, how they go. So it goes, first I'm going to admit my need. Then I'm going to get help. Then I'm going to find strength. And today we're going to be talking about coming clean. And I want to invite Steve Rady to come up and share some things with you about it. Yeah, thanks a lot for giving me the toughest choice of all, house cleaning. <laughs> Not very fair. That's why I don't allow Pastor Gabe to come over to my house. No. Um, but it is, it is one of the, the, the toughest choices that we have to make when we talk about house cleaning because what it causes us to do is it causes us to look at the messes that we've made. And so when we look in, into our own lives and into our heart and we go, oh, I don't want to deal with that, that's why this, cho- this, this choice is so hard because we've got to figure out how we let God take care of this mess that we've created. And today, we're going to do this, that, in the fourth choice. Um, but before I get started, let, let's be honest. Let's, let's agree in this safety of this space here and the meta-universe thing online, um, we're all safe, that we're going to be honest with ourselves. And we're going to be honest with each other. And we're going to be honest because all of us have failed. All of us have made mistakes. All of us has hurt somebody. Maybe not intentionally, maybe intentionally, but all of us. The, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, and this is in your notes, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. See, God knows all of our sins. One pastor put it this way, 
God sees all your sins, and he's seen all your fallen shorts. So we've got to recognize that, that, that God, already, God already knows that. And when, we, when we're talking about this, we've got to kind of go, as we, as we dive in today, we've, we've got to not only, as Pastor Gabe went over it, con- confess it to ourselves, but we've got to confess it to God. And then we're called to confess it to someone else. And that's where it gets scary, right? We're probably like, hold on a minute. Now, I could, I could probably tell myself all the, the things that I keep in the closet. That's, that's probably okay. You know, sometimes we peek in there and we pull something out when we want to play with it. Um, relax. We're not calling you. God's not calling you to, you know, call up the tablet and go, hey, you need to come check and look and see this thing I've been hiding, okay? That's not it. But God already knows. And it's so important that we are honest with ourselves and with others, with the things that we're dealing with, not so they can hold it over our heads, but so they can help us with it. Um, the Bible says in John eight thirty two, when you know the truth, it will set you free. In other words, truth is the cost of freedom. And freedom is really the reward of truth. It's the reward of honesty. And if we're honest with ourselves and the people around us, that's how we find this pathway to freeing ourselves from the guilt. You know, I ask myself what, what it would be like to be completely free of guilt, to live with a clear conscience. But it's not always that easy because, you know, sometimes we start out the morning, we're thinking, oh, it's good. And then we stumble our toe as we're getting in the shower. And then we start thinking about the negativities in our lives. But I hope that today's message helps bring us some courage and hope to take the next steps to move forward so that we can, we can see how things can be, how things will be, in a, and in a very real sense, how we actually can see how things really are today. Because I think we have a whole different view of ourselves than what God does. And today I think we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive in and I want to help us understand Maybe something we've never understood before, and it's how deeply our Father cares for us, how deeply God loves us, because it's so important on this whole issue, this whole honesty that, that, that we're talking about, is we got to not be afraid of it. We can't get scared. We don't want to go into this going, ah, it's too painful. I don't want to rip the Band-Aid off. John, 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out fear. Heavenly Father gives us perfect love. So I think when we get afraid, it's, it's really we don't truly understand how much God loves us. Because if we really understood the depth of his love, we, there would be nothing for us to be afraid of. So today we're going we're gonna to dive in and we're, we're studying the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus uh, gave us some great advice, um, some things that he talked Taught, taught us, and, and today we're going to dive into the, the fourth beatitude, which is in Matthew um, chapter 5, verse 8. And you can follow along in your notes. This one's on there. But it says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I'm going to read it again. 
God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So the first thing I want you to notice is it doesn't say, Jesus did not say, happy are those who are religious in heart. It's happy are those who are pure in heart. Because some of the most unhappy people, um, some of the most sorry mouth people, are, are people that say they're religious. And it's because they're religious in their heart. They're not, they're not exercising pure heart. They think because they have religion that they, they can live this way. In fact, their whole life, and maybe some of you know somebody like that, their whole life is these, these rules of don't, 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 don't. Don't do that. We can't do that. They want us to believe that the Christian life is full of these. And, and as Pastor Gabe made that quote, that's not what the Christian life is about. It's not about the don't, it's about the do. It's not about the can't, it's about the can. The Christian life isn't about no, it's about yes. And sometimes when we start to realize those yeses, that's when some of the difficulties in life can crop up because as, as we become Christians and we walk in our faith, we have to learn how that discernment is, yes, I can do that, but no, I shouldn't do that. It's not a no, I can't. It's what can I do better? So we have to, we have to dig into that, that wisdom. And the Bible says in John 10, 10, I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Jesus said, I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. See, and this is, this is in your first fill-in, Jesus doesn't want me to be religious. Jesus wants me to be real. Happy are the pure in heart, not the religious in heart. In John 11, uh, we read about the time when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and I want to look at that for a moment because there's truth that we need to discover in this. See, remember that the Bible doesn't just tell us the things that God did. The Bible tells us how God does things. And so when we look at that and, and, and follow along in your notes, we start with verse 43 in John 11. It says, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out and his hands and feet were bound in grave cloths. His face was wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. It says he was bound hand and foot with grave cloths and his face was covered with a cloth. And there's significance there because what it's saying to us, remember, this is how God does things. What it's saying to us is nothing that binds you or keeps you from fullness of life, nothing that trips you up, nothing that is going on in your life right now nothing that covers you up or keeps you hidden, even when we think the rest of the world can't see it, none of that, none of it can withstand the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. When you gave your life to Christ as a Christian, the Bible says he brought you from death into life, just like Lazarus. Isn't that hard to, isn't that hard to comprehend? Like, Make that association. 
But that's what the promise is. There's still things in our life that keeps us, that keeps us bound up. There's things that hold us back. There's things that restrict us. There's things that we wrestle with that are keeping us from, from finding our, our full fulfillment of life. And I think one of the things that still trips us up is that we have this old way of thinking. We have this old behavior, these patterns, these addictions, all that kind of stuff that, that as we go along the way, it's not just enough that it's, it's, it's bringing us from death into life, but God, Jesus wants to bring us into freedom, and he, and he wants to do that with his people. We refer, back to, we refer back to that text where Jesus said, who are them? Look towards the end where Jesus said to them, who are them? Them, those are the disciples. Jesus said to his followers, you loosen him. You let him go. Now, Jesus just brought this man from life to death. He easily could have done it, but what did he do? He called on others to, to help. And why is that so important? Why, why does Jesus want us to, to use other people so that we can grow together? That's why at Westside, we talk about groups so often. It's because it's so important we get into relationship with others so that when Jesus calls on someone else to help you, you have them right there next to you to help you. So it's so important for us to be in relationship. We have Celebrate Recovery. That's what it's all about. Celebrate Recovery is all about people helping other people so that they can walk into freedom. Free of the things that hold us back. Free of the things that trip us up. Jesus says to his followers, loosen them and let him go. Notice he doesn't say, hey, loosen them and then tie them back up with some other stuff. No, it's loosen them and let them go. I'm so thankful for the, the people that God has put in my life. Um, one of those is, and I, and I speak of her often, she sure loves it when I bring it up, is my beautiful wife, Jessica. Um, and, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Many of you that really know me might find this hard to believe, but I can be a little defiant. <laughs> yep, it's out. I can be a little defiant. You see, I've got this, uh, I've got this addiction to sugar. I seek it all the time. In fact, one of the, 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 the people who attend here, Nate Culp, when I, when I found out that he starts his dinner with his dessert first, him and I instantly became best friends. Like, I don't need to know anything else about this guy. He's my best friend. But my wife is there to remind me when I'm grabbing something I, I probably don't need. But that little kid in me goes... Yeah, but I can, and I don't want to listen. I remember when I moved out from my house, and I was like, I am free of oatmeal for breakfast. Like, I must have bought 10 boxes of cookie crisp cereal, because I'm like, party. But it's not good for me. 
And that's what my wife is really reminding me when I'm, when I'm going, no, I'm going to go. And then what happens, right? So then she reminds you and you kind of, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't, shouldn't eat that. And then what happens to us in life? Because this is what happens to me. So I'm, I'm being very honest. You start, to, you start to go, okay, she's in bed now. The pantry's open. It's like 7-Eleven. You're going to get chips and candy and chocolate and uh, caramel corn, whatever you can get your hands on. And then you just start keeping it because you're like, oh, she may come downstairs, so I better get as much in as I can <laughs> before, before she comes and finds me. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting on the couch feeling horrible because I just stuffed myself with stuff that wasn't good for my body, especially right before bedtime, and I have all the evidence. The wrappers are all over the couch. I'm like, what do I do? So, like any smart man, I gather them up, I put them in a different bag so you can't see the wrapper, I go outside, and I throw them in the outside garbage, so in case she lifts the lid on the garbage can, she can't see the wrappers. Now she knows my secret, so I'm really in trouble. <laughs> But, but this is the path of freedom, right? Like, I have to admit this, so now she can hold me accountable. And it's the same thing that, that, that Christ is calling us when he says in John 8, 36, actually, let me go to Galatians 5, 11, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that he set us free. And Jesus says in 8, 36, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Happy are those that are pure in heart, not religious in heart. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So how do we have this pure heart? How do we, how do we, how do we have it? Because I know it sounds great in theory. Like The fact of the matter is I still have candy wrappers that I've hidden in a trash can or in my closet or something else that I'm dealing with. And it's, and it's important that we understand that, that we cannot make our own heart pure. No matter how hard we try, we cannot make our own heart pure. You can't just say, I'm going to clean it up, I'm going to clean up my act, I'm going to hide the wrappers, I'm going to throw them away, I'm going to throw out the... You get rid of some candy and more candy just shows up. So it's not like you can hide from it. You can't say, oh, I'm going to behave myself so I'm going to have a pure heart. Hey, I made it one day. I, I didn't eat candy last night, so party on tonight. Good behavior doesn't purify the heart, but a pure heart will change your behavior. Repentance is not what you do to earn forgiveness. Actually, repentance is what you do because your forgiveness has already been paid through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Romans 5.8, it says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Did you get that last part? While we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to clean up the act. He didn't wait for us to start eating the candy. While we were yet sinners. And the only way that we're able to have a pure heart is through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. Purity of the heart is a gift of God's grace. And the only way to have that pure heart is to surrender your heart to Jesus. Give him, give him your life. Let him forgive you of your sins.
Let him purify your heart. The only way God's speaking to us right now through Star Wars. I was, I was just trying to see if I could recognize it there for a second. But I, I, I want you to understand it maybe a little differently because God sees us differently, right? God sees us a little bit differently. Um, and, and I want you to know how God sees you right now. Because if you have done what I just talked about, believing in Jesus, the promise is Jesus says you are new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone who belongs to Christ, Jesus, has become a new person. Has become, not will become, but has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life begins. And Jesus goes on to say, happy are the pure of heart because they will see God. And you're still going, I don't see how this is possible. How can I... How can I have a pure heart of life when there's all this stuff that I'm still dealing with? My hands are dirty. My mouth is dirty. Let me let, me let you in on a little secret. You're not alone. We all do things that we're not supposed to. I'm just as dirty as you are. Do you think you're the only one that, that struggles with temptation? Or you're the only person that struggles with anger or not having enough patience? Say the things you shouldn't say, do the things you shouldn't do. There's not a person in this room or online that is innocent, who doesn't fight temptation. And what we gotta do is we gotta confess our sins and we gotta repent. We're all in the same boat. So it's so important for us to understand, and this is the next point in, in, in your notes, is the basis for a pure heart is not how good you've been, but how good God is. Your good behavior doesn't purify your heart, but a pure heart will change your behavior. God wants to help you change your behavior. So I have this question what does your heart want? Do you really want to see God in your life? And my suspicion is you fought treacherous roads to get here today. So my belief is that you, each and every one of you do. And for those of you online, online, I'm going to give you a little bit of grace. I don't like ice either. But you're tuning in. So I, I believe that you want that. The very fact that you're here today is a reflection of your deep desire to have a relationship with God our Father. Psalms 139.1 says, O oh Lord, you've examined my heart, know everything about me. God knows all about us. He knows what, that we really want to be free. He knows that we don't want to have sin in our lives. And the only way that we can do this is by surrendering to him. And when we do that, when we surrender to God, that's when we'll see God start to show up in our lives. When we fully surrender, when we fully go, okay, God, I, I gotta let go of the wheel. I gotta quit trying to drive this car. And that's when we start to see his blessings. When we, when we stop trying to hide the things in our closet, we'll start to see God show up in our life as he develops the character of Christ in you. 
That's when you'll see God in your life. And it doesn't happen overnight. I'm sorry, you're not going to wake up fully transformed tomorrow. It's a process. And, and you have a role to play in the process. You don't just get to go, okay, God, change me and wait for it to happen. You have to do your part. God expects you to do your part. And that first part is your role is to surrender. Surrender to him and just practice what you already know. Don't worry about the things that you don't. Those are, that stuff is going to come. You're going to gain knowledge. You're going to gain wisdom. Romans 4.17 says, God calls things as they were, as though they are. A little bit of a tongue twister there. God calls things that were not as though they are. He already sees you at your full potential. Let me give you an example so that you can have this image in your mind. Um, has anybody been to Italy, Florence? Has anybody gone and seen um, the beautiful sculpture of David? Yeah, you're very lucky to see that in person. Michelangelo created this thing. And the story behind it, and, 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 and imagine that this thing was this block of stone or marble, right? And that's what we see. We see this big block. And, and, and someone asked Michelangelo, how did you do that? How did, how did you create David? And he said, it was simple. I just cut everything away that wasn't David. Now, I can't bring you to Italy, and I can't afford to bring the sculpture of David here, but I did bring this wood carving because, you see, it, it resembles our life. Maybe we just see a chunk of old wood, but to the master, to the guy that created it, there's so much more that's there. And, and, and that's what reflects in all of us. That's what God is doing. Just like Michelangelo did, he cut away everything that wasn't David. It's the same process. God has already declared your heart pure. He already sees you in Christ having a pure heart. God already sees it. So we gotta cooperate with him. We've gotta cut away. We've gotta get rid of the things in our lives that, may, that, that, that are not who we want to be. And, and God gives us people to do it with. So our job is to cooperate with him and let him do it. And you know what? If you fall down in the process, that's okay. Get back up. You fall down again, get back up. You fall again, get back up. When you fail, when you sin, when you fall, confess it, repent, and move forward. That's, that's what God wants us to do. Tendency that we have is we want to hide from him. Like, ah, I probably shouldn't go to church today. Someone's going to see that I ate too much candy last night. My belly's a little bigger today. Maybe I don't, I don't look as good as I do because I stayed out and partied too much last night. So I want to hide from I want to hide from the people that God's placed in my lives. I want to hide from God. So I probably shouldn't get in my Bible. I probably shouldn't pray. I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't talk to him. But you know what? You're only as sick as your secrets. 
Don't ever let sin keep you from God. Sin should drive you to, to God. God, I can't do this on my own. God, help me. God, I've fallen again. Because when we let sin keep us from God, we're playing into the devil's hands. That is him at work going, yeah, you don't, you don't want to go talk to him about it. Why? Because he knows. He knows God loves you. And, and I'm, I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me saying that God, God is soft on sin. He's not. He hates sin. God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. That's how much he hates sin. But guess what? He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins because he loves us that much. Getting rid of guilt is a choice. I want to go over it. I openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. He wants us to search our own hearts because we can't really experience the fullness of God's forgiveness until we realize how undeserving of it we really are. Luke 7, 47 says, Jesus said, he who has, be, has been forgiven little loves little. But it's equally true that he who has been given for much loves much because we recognize the love that God has for us. If we don't acknowledge our wounds, we can't, we can't start healing. It's, it's like covering up a, a bad sore. Uh, I don't want to deal with it. Ooh, it's ugly. Kind of smells bad. Probably should leave that covered up. What's the first thing we do when we go to the doctor with this wound? What's the first thing they do? Go ahead. And they rip off the band-aid and they go, oh, we're going we're gonna to cut that stuff out. We're going to scrub that up. We're going to clean that right up. And, and that's the same thing that we have to do when we acknowledge the sin that's in our lives. We have to expose it. We have to scrub it. We have to clean it. We have to use the help of others because I guarantee you, it's not much fun scrubbing your own wound, right? So you need someone to help you with that. And God is there. And maybe you're here saying, you know what? You don't know what I've done in the past. You don't know the poor decisions I made. You don't know what I'm wrestling with today. You're right. I don't. But God does. And God promises that he will help you. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, he who began the good work in you is faithful and he will complete the work he started in you. He is the master and he has the master's hand. He already sees what we don't. Maybe you think, well, if all's forgiven, why can't I just carry on with my life? Why can't I just go on my merry way? Why can't I just move on? Because that's not how it works. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. He's working in you to help you. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. You work out what God is working in. And like I said a moment ago, it doesn't happen overnight. There needs to be in your life, a demonstration of what God's doing. And maybe your next step is, maybe you've accepted Christ and you've not yet been baptized. And what a better time 
to sign up on your connection card for baptism right now because that is your next step in faith. That is the outward expression of what God is doing in your heart, following God's commandment to be baptized. And it's telling everybody else, I'm new. And it allows all your brothers and sisters to know and come around you. So sign up for that. Just like David emerges behind all this stuff that gets cut away, God wants that in your life. He wants this beautiful work of art to be exposed so that the rest of the world will look at you and say, I need him in my life too. I need God in my life because we reflect God's love when we surrender to him. You know, sometimes life gets hard and we feel like God's piling things on us. I want you to change that thinking. God's actually stripping things away. Just like that bandage, he's, he's uncovering the layers of the things that need to be cut out. And sometimes when we cut into a layer, we're like, oh, probably should address that. Probably should look at that. And, and, and we're getting free of the things. It's not too late. Maybe you've convinced yourself that it, you know, it's too late for me. It's great for someone else, but it's, it's never too late. Let me, let me tell you, you walk out of here, it is never too late to change. Jesus is looking for you. Luke 19, 10 says, I came to seek and save the lost. You are exactly what he's looking for. He came to set you free. He's come to heal you and make your life right. We cannot come to grip with God's forgiveness until we come to grips with how much you need him to forgive you. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight says, let a man examine himself. And by the way, it doesn't say, let a man examine his neighbor. Just so we're all aware. Let a man examine himself. God isn't asking you to, to, to make a promise to him that you cannot keep. Because guess what? We're gonna sin again. But Owen said that he's actually asking you to receive a promise that only he can keep. You have his word on it. I want you to look at these next two verses that are in your notes. Um, and, and we go to Psalm 32, 5 that says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Bottom line is, we need to come clean. And when we need to come clean, first of all, we need to remember that it's a choice. We openly examine and confess to God and to someone we trust. Someone that you know you can go to that's not going to hold it over your head, but is going to come alongside you and help you. Stop, stop trying to think about what you think you are and start thinking about what God knows you are. Have this kind of honesty with yourself it can be scary, but God is there. Remember I said earlier, perfect love casts out fear. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So I want you to remember these final three things. Remember God's kindness. Remember his kindness. 
Romans 2, 4 says, God's kindness leads you towards repentance. Not his anger, his kindness leads you towards repentance. In Romans 8, 1, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Romans 5, 8 says, God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. Remember God's kindness. The next point is, remember God's faithfulness. The Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, I am convinced that God who began this good work in you will carry it through to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And it says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, this is in your notes, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. That is a promise. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from God's love. And that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That, that point reminds me of that poem or that, the picture of the footprints in the sand where we look down and we only see one set of prints and we're walking. We're thinking, God, where, where did you go? God's like, you're not the one walking. I am, I'm carrying you right now. He has removed our sin as far from, east is from the west. The third point is remember God's promises. Ezekiel 36, 20 says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. God's promise. I want you to go out today and take courage that God has at work in you. He's already started this process, this process of freedom. He's already decreed that you have a pure heart. He's got a process of becoming who you are that you don't have to be afraid of. Follow him into it. Expect that freedom that God has promised for you. And that's where we find the restoration. Imagine how our picture looks now that maybe we, we walk out of here today having a little bit better understanding of, of how much God loves us and, and what we have to do in our part. I wanna, I wanna pray with you. God, as we turn our hearts to you, Lord, remember that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but it took his friends to step him free. And as we're, as we're praying right now, as we're taking this moment with God, I want you to ask God a question. Actually, I, I want you to ask him two questions. The first question is, what do I still need to be set free from? Lord, give me that answer. And then the, the second question is, who do I need to talk to that can help me start finding that freedom? Lord, give me the strength. Lord, surround me with the people that are gonna help me on the path that you want me to be on. And maybe right where you're sitting, you're going, I don't know where to begin. 
Maybe you've, you've not yet said or surrendered your heart to God. I wanna give you an opportunity right now, right, right in your seat as we all are praying this prayer, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner, Lord. I know I've made mistakes. God, teach me to follow you. I believe in you, Lord. I believe in your life. I believe in your death on the cross and I believe in your resurrection. Give me a life that's new. Lord, come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Westside Podcast. We hope that you'll be taking some next steps in your faith journey, and we'd love to help with that. The most important step you can take is following Jesus. And if today you decided to make that step, we want to encourage you and help you. You can text the word Jesus to 503-905-9067, and we're going to send you some things in the mail to help you grow in your faith. We also would encourage you to stop by this Sunday for a live service, either online or on site right here in the Portland, Oregon area. You can find out more at Westside Community. Church.com.